0: Hey everybody, I hope you're having a really great day. Today, I'm joined by Mark Day and Nancy Farrow of Hollow Anatomy. Hollow Anatomy is a game changer in the realm of medical education, giving access to 3D representations of everything from the endocrine system to bone structures to medical students. This increases retention and time to competency rates. I know you're going to love this episode. Enjoy. Hello, tech friends, and thank you for tuning in to Emerging Technologies in Business, where we take a deep dive into different technologies that are impacting businesses today and in the very near future. I'm your host, Brock Reine, and this podcast is brought to you by Kincannon XR. Let's talk tech. Hey everyone, I've got a really special treat today. I'm joined by Hollow Anatomy with Mark Day, the CEO and Nancy Farrow, the Senior VP of Marketing and Global Business Development. They're here to talk to us all about Hollow Anatomy. Nancy, Mark, how are you both doing today?
1: Awesome, thanks for having us, Brock. Really, really appreciate
0: you joining the show, most definitely, and first off, um, I got to say that this is an incredible way to teach anatomy in my personal opinion, but for our audience who are unfamiliar with hollow anatomy, could you give a quick overview of what it is and what it does for us, Mark?
1: Yeah, just very, very simply. um, Imagine instead of using a more traditional method of learning human anatomy using cadaveric dissection, uh, which is what you see in most medical schools. Instead, we're using sort of a digital equivalent. So if all you want to do is learn the basics of human anatomy or even neuroanatomy, all you have to do is use holographic display. We currently use HoloLens, but you can imagine any mixed reality, you know, uh, HMD or head-mounted display to do the same thing where we can look at cross-sections of any part of the human body.
0: Wow. So it can can really take any part of the human body, not just a a full head-to-toe, but you can zoom in on different parts. And- I did read something, obviously you're doing this with Case Western and now you've actually been doing it with multiple institutions. Are you seeing that having those types of abilities and these 3D representations of the human body, are they becoming a deciding factor for students when they're deciding where they're gonna go to take these types of college education courses?
1: Yeah, we're actually presently in about 25 different institutions. So still very much rolling across the US and around the globe. Um, in sort of changing forever the way human anatomy is taught and learned. Um, But we actually have video of students even from Case Western Reserve who have said uh, this was a big reason why they joined the School of Medicine at Case. Um, So I think you're going to see more examples of that. And I bet Nancy has a few working examples of it as she gets out and sees most of our customers all the time.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, Mark. Brock, uh, as Mark mentioned, you know, I uh, keep a close contact with all of our customers and um, what they do, they use Holo Anatomy as a marketing tool. We've seen this in students recruitment, in faculty recruitment. We've seen this in commercials, in digital and print collaterals. Um, and we also have seen this in um uh, bringing on uh, uh, showcasing it as uh, for high-ranking officials and donors, so it, it is a tool that is being used uh, very broadly.
0: It makes a lot of sense, right? Um, you know, Nancy, you and I had a conversation before where you know I mentioned I went to film and radio television school, and when I was a, going from high school to college, I went and looked for specific locations that had the tools that I was looking for that I wanted to learn. And it's the same thing now in the medical community. It really hasn't changed. It's just obviously 20 years later, but who's counting? Uh, but really it does make a big difference for these kids that are coming out of high school. They already know what they wanna do. they are levels above us already. And if you're not gonna provide the tools that they need, they're gonna find a location that will. And I know uh, we, you mentioned it a little bit there, Mark, about the cadavers, right? So I can see already how this technology pays for itself, right? The ability to remove cadavers out of the medical field, first, they're costly, right? And then there's only an available amount of time that you have to utilize them. And it's kind of a one-shot deal, right? If you're trying to teach someone how to do surgery on a lung, you don't have a bunch of them, right? So having the ability to have a 3D virtualization of it makes a big difference. Um, I guess my question really is, do you think that we're now at a point where we're no longer use cadaver will no longer use those types of cadavers any longer and even the old school like a uh, classroom skeleton are we about to replace those things with these types of 3d uh, changes?
1: well I guess it, it really depends on what it is that you're trying to learn for purposes of learning basic human anatomy you don't need a cadaver If my medical education or profession leads me to say become a, uh, a dental hygienist for, for example. I probably don't need to dig into cadavers on a regular basis in order to get my education. But if I want to become a surgeon, surely you're going to have to dive in there at some point. So what we're trying to do is for any M1, M2, you know, first, second year medical student or anyone in a medical professional degree program, really uh, even a high school secondary education program, um, we're trying to teach a whole new paradigm shift that will A, either remove the need for a, a, a cadaver lab, entirely, if all we're doing is teaching anatomy, like in a simulation center, or just augment what we've already got. So there is some cost reduction in savings, um, but the reality is what you re- we gotta really look at is the pedagogical outcomes that we're creating. You can learn twice as fast, then you re- retain that information 40 plus percent longer after being tested on the same material months later. So it's a pretty amazing outcome, and that's the real benefit, but the cost savings can be quite quite significant, particularly if you're thinking about, should I build a new cadaver lab as part of my medical school, or should I just go with a digital equivalent to that in my simulation center? makes perfect sense.
0: And... You know, uh, you mentioned it there. I was about to ask you about retainment rates. So I would imagine that this has to be not only a higher retainment rate way of learning, right? It just has to be more, official or more efficient in every aspect. Are you also seeing that students who are able to utilize this type of system are not only retaining more, but they're having kind of a faster time to competency? Are they learning at a quicker pace as well?
1: Well, they are learning at a quicker pace. In fact, there was a preliminary peer review uh, study that was done within Case Western, uh, which revealed that students were actually learning the same subject matter twice as fast. Now, they still got to complete the semester, but it just means they can learn more over uh, that same period of time of other subject areas. But again, if they can retain that information quite a bit longer, 40 plus percent longer, literally being tested eight months after uh, on the same material, that's pretty significant in terms of the the education benefit. Is it creating better clinicians and physicians? We'll see. We're still relatively new at this, but I think we're off to a really important start uh, in getting these kids off to a great education and what is arguably, certainly, one of the most difficult but most important things they will ever do as part of their medical education. I totally
0: Absolutely.
2: agree with that. Yeah, in we. If I can just add to it, what we were able to do in two hours before hollow anatomy, uh, purely in dissection, traditional dissection cadaver lab, we're now able to do and add more for students to learn. So now we're able to do a digital um, hollow anatomy uh, lab and then learn a particular theme and then uh, replicate it in a radiology and then do exactly the same theme in a a standardized living anatomy using standardized patients. So if you notice what we're doing is we're using and learning the same anatomy theme and then replicating that knowledge in three different environments. So the students are learning over and over and over and solidifying that knowledge.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the big difference, right? So we only have so much throughput that we can do as human beings. There's so many hours in the day. So finding a way to increase that throughput and at the same time continue to hit those big pillars to remind why we're learning these things and why they all come together, that's really where you start to see the puzzle pieces come together, right? That's where you get excited.
2: Yes, and that's what the difference is. With hollow anatomy, you're learning, you're understanding and you're gaining the knowledge versus pure memorization. I took anatomy and what I did, I memorized. So once I regurgitated that information, after the test, the very next day, if you ask me, I wouldn't remember half of it. But what happens with these students, they understand it and it's ingrained in their memory. So you ask them eight months later, they will know the answers. Yeah, and
0: it's so and everybody's a different learner too. And having exactly. a visualization makes a big difference, honestly. And okay, so I guess my other question would be, I would assume that courses uh, would really wanna reflect only what the pertinent information would be, right? A surgeon is gonna have no need to wanna learn about you know, the skin disease or something like that. So there's gotta be some sort of tool that can give to customize anatomy. Is that something that's available currently?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's part of the the whole experience. You have the immersive experience of actually seeing a three-dimensional hologram of the human anatomy, but just as importantly is to build the lesson plan or build the lab manual. And you do that step-by-step just like you would in, say, PowerPoint. And you can literally pull down different anatomical objects. You can use different reference pieces of information, a PDF or some other learning uh, tool supplementary to the experience. And you can pull all that together and you sequence exactly what you want the student to learn. You keep everybody on track. You can have students learning different parts of different functions of human anatomy. Um, And most importantly, for any of these sort of aggregated experiences with all the students or different students in the same classroom learning different things. It's all teacher-led, so it's all faculty-led, but it's also, in it sort of really encourages the the collaborative aspect of what we're doing here. Clinicians and academic professionals at CASE will tell you, at Case Western, learning uh, human anatomy is a team sport. So to Nancy's point, it's not just memorizing where students fall down, but it's also, you're much more likely to remember things if you're having a shared experience and you're learning about what somebody else is observing and you're taking that feedback into your own sort of observation and understanding what's going on. So the quality of learning in this experience is second to none, like nothing students have ever imagined. Uh, And even though we have, you know, certainly we see the, the best and the brightest digital natives, Uh, who come in and expect this type of immensely cool technology, it's actually helping them learn faster and learn better.
2: And part of this uh, suite is uh, this uh, designer tool software. And that's part of my job is I go out there when I onboard our partners, we train them how to use this amazing software where they're able to select what they want to show to their students and how to create the content. We have 9,000 anatomical art assets that's part of their library. So they can select anything they want from the tiniest blood vessel to the largest bone. So you can imagine, Brock.
0: Absolutely, that is super cool. Uh, Mark, one of the things you just sent right there, you were saying about how we're having a shared experience, right? And I think that is something where COVID accelerated where we're all a little bit further apart than we were before. And we're losing that water cooler talk that is that sense of collective failure a little bit, right? So I think one of my questions is with the Holo Anatomy software, are users able to join those types of classes remotely? And then for those who are participating in person, what does that look like for those that do join remotely if that's
1: possible? Um, it is possible, which is the coolest okay. thing about it. In fact, um, one of the... Uh, I guess, important areas of learning around the, 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 the power of this innovation and the power of this tool is that it worked really, really well during COVID where students couldn't okay. come into the classroom. We had students at home. We could have students anywhere in the world. All I need is a Wi-Fi connection and an internet connection and I can do anything. And we can all be together in the same classroom or we can be in different parts of the universe. And we can see the same thing. We can look at what each other is looking at directly from the same vantage point. And That's we can great. annotate those experiences as well so that I can see what you were talking about when you were talking about where you see it. So uh, it's a great in-person tool. So you can still have that human experience, that analog conversation, just mount to out there. But it's also an important digital tool, which is the next best thing in being there. So that collaborative that collaborative experience really doesn't diminish by virtue of the fact that we sometimes have to do digitally. Have to do it digitally. Pardon me,
2: uh, Brooke. Just to give you an idea of what happened during COVID, when I don't have to remind you, when COVID happened, our students went on break, spring break, and when they came back, we made an uh, immediate decision to purchase 184 Hololenses. We shipped those right away to all of our students. And our students did not miss a single day of anatomy class. We went wow. from Case Western remotely immediately. We trained them how to operate, how to create their uh, space, anchors, and it was flawless. So, And we are the only software that can have over 100 users in one uh, synchronous connection, shared experience. And that's really what we're very proud of.
0: That's awesome. So that completely takes away that lost water cooler talking, especially during COVID. It just sounds like you didn't miss a beat. in any, But that also explains why you went from you know one school to 25 as quickly as you did. Everyone else figured out the secret sauce pretty quickly. <laughs> so I guess the last question I have is for students and doctors that have been trained on reading and interpreting 2D images for the last decade, multiple decades, as a for a long time now, right? How do you see this changing? How there, how this is going to impact the medical community and society and students in general?
1: Well, that's a great question, and I think that is the fundamental reason why I got so excited to join Illumis as a CEO and watching the work that uh, Dr. Griswold and, and Sue Wishbaratz and Aaron Henninger did at Case Western Interactive Commons and building the app. And then watching Nancy just walk it into all these universities, their stories are just so impactful and what the the transformational way in which students are learning that is permanently changed. We see this as a fundamental paradigm shift in the way learning is being achieved. Um, It's what we call sort of the next wave of ubiquitous computing, if we think about mainframe to mobile to PC to this. Um, And so as a learning tool, there's really simply nothing better Interestingly though we, we watched uh, a lot of these students who were who worry about the technology being a distraction and more commonly you worry about faculty where the technology becomes a distraction and getting in the way of the learning it's accelerating that experience where the the right. distra- it's no longer a distraction so our universities or even secondary educational programs are they going to step take a step backwards to the days in which Say anatomy was taught since really the same way since Da Vinci. I don't think so. I don't so think we're on so. To something fundamentally different. And our proof point is watching clinicians or academic professionals from some of the top medical colleges in the world come into the interactive commons of Case Western and actually see where, say, the diaphragm is actually placed within the human body as a perfect anatomical reference standards. We've even had clinicians tell us that can't be right. Let me show you the data. Let me show you the data in 3D. And they're like, wow, I didn't know that. In my 40 years of practicing medicine, I didn't really understand exactly where that placement was. Or for the first time, being able to see the lymphatic system in 3D, which you right. can't even see in a cadaver. Um, right. So yeah, needless to say, we're, we're pretty impressed and pretty proud of the work that Case Western has done to date. I'm extremely proud of the work that Nancy's done in trying to illuminate the possibilities of new learning, no pun intended. Nancy, you probably have more direct anecdotes on this.
2: No, I think you've done a phenomenal job summarizing. It's just amazing to see when students are able to see details that they're just not able to see in a cadaver. It's amazing to see when they respond to me and, and say, wow, uh, it, it, it's great when you see things in 3D in, in the proper spatial uh, relationship. So it's very satisfying.
0: And what's fun is we're just at the very beginning of this new adoption, right? So imagine this. So even if you're you're in 25 different schools now, how many different doctors and practitioners have you now released into the world that will then pyramid them, scheme themselves into more and more and more, you know, because they're going to go find two friends and so on and so forth. You're changing the way the medical community is going to accept medicine and how, what our expectations are long term. I think that's a big deal. If you have the ability to go have multiple medical professionals who can just pop on a hollow lens. And if one's in Denmark and one's in Australia and one's in California, they can all look at the same exact image and give their medical opinion in real time that's changing humanity that's changing how we're handling the medical world how we're teaching it and that's going to just make our lives better so i am nothing but pumped y'all i am like super super excited to see y'all's growth as we go forward but to change subjects and have a little bit of fun with you because i can't help myself and i'm sorry i have to do it i need uh, one of you to tell me if there is one piece of technology that you can get rid of in this world what would it be and why
1: you want to go first, Nancy? <laughs>
2: no, I'm going to let you do that.
1: All right, Mark, you're up. <laughs> well, I have a lot of ideas about this um, as one who's not to date myself, but one who's grown through a lot of obsolescence uh, with oh. technology. But I guess one of the things that still bothers me today is the keyboard. When can we just do away with the keyboard? It's obnoxious. I learned to type literally on a typewriter, yes, to date myself. And that's not I'd obnoxious at all. It's such a natural act. To follow this qwerty stuff but the other thing too that that and that's you know more benign but i guess more controversially there is a place and time and use and medium for social media this is a good example of how we might use the benefits of social media but so often human context loses context the minute it goes over the open waves and civility and so on. We know the stories of these, these terrible outcomes, but I wish that, um, I hope I should say, that we're learning to become better citizens in the world through watching what social media can do that is destructive. So uh, misinformation and so on. So Brock, here's to you to try to keep the record straight and keep people truthful to the word of what's really going on in the world, even as it relates to the metaverse. Thank you. You know,
0: my grandmother used to tell me something a long time ago when I was a kid. She would say, Brock, you know, just because you have a thought in your head doesn't mean that everybody else needs to hear it. (laughs) I think that holds pretty true in social media these days. A lot of the times before you post that thing, it's really not all that necessary. Use it for facts. That's unfortunate. We we have gotten into a place in our culture where it's hard to tell what's true and what's not anymore without having to go to multiple different sources to fact check things, which is unfortunate. Such a time waste. But either way. Nancy, Mark, thank you both for being here. Thank you for giving my audience and our audience a little bit of insight about hollow anatomy. If our listeners wanted to learn more, where would you point them? And if they wanted to get in touch with you, how would they get in touch with you?
1: Um, I think the simplest thing would just be to go to our website. It does have a deliberately peculiar spelling. It's just ilumis dash so um, lots of ways to probably misspell that, but invariably, hopefully, you will get redirected a prop- a properly. And then to reach out to us, just nancy.farrow, F-A-R-R-O-W, or mark.day at alumus-ar.com. Uh, and follow us on LinkedIn. Just type in alumus. You'll see us pop up in the list. And uh, that's where we pretty predominantly post a lot of big news from our customers and the things that they're doing. So, to read all about our stories, the other thing you can do is go out to Hollow Anatomy. Hollow Anatomy is what we're best known for. That's the application. If you go out and type in Hollow Anatomy in YouTube, you're going to see dozens of great videos from our customers, from Case Western, from lecturers, from Nancy, um, from a lot of other people who've done a lot of great work using the app. So, go out to hollowanatomy.com. That's another way to look at us.
0: Really appreciate that. Well, I'll tell you, um, I really appreciate your time. And I do also want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor of our podcast. I want to do it to keep our stuff going here. So I do want to thank Canon XR. XR is flat out the future. And if you are in working in the XR world or you're looking to step in the world of XR, Canon is here to help bring your XR dreams into a reality. Regardless if you're developing your own XR application or if you're looking for a helping hand to take an idea to that next level, Cannon is here to help. Reach out to Kincannon XR by emailing them at inquire at KincannonXR.com. And of course you can find our podcasts on social media as well, at ETIB Podcasts. And if you like this episode, make sure to like this episode and subscribe it on YouTube and check out one of these other videos that'll pop up here on YouTube here in a second. Uh, And of course, that's going to do it for today. Thanks to Nancy. Thanks to Mark for being here. I've been your host, Brock Reine. We're going to talk some more emerging tech next time. Bye, everybody.